Hello and welcome to the Almost Enlightened Podcast, a show about whatever I want. I'm your host, Alex Morin, and today's episode is a spin-off of the topic we just covered in our most recent cacao ceremony this past weekend. The theme of the ceremony was grounding, and I enjoyed the research and the conversation so much that I'd like to recreate a portion of that discussion in today's episode. If you stick around until the end, I'll provide my email address for those of you that are interested in joining one of our future cacao ceremonies. I'm also going to thank one of my mastermind partners, Amanda, for inspiring me a couple of months ago when she opened the door to this very topic and truly piqued my curiosity. So thank you, Amanda. Okay, are we ready to do this? Well, all right then, let's get grounded. Today, we won't be discussing the offensive Australian slang word for intercourse, but instead, the state of being grounded. I'm sure that everyone listening right now has used the words rooted or grounded in the following ways. I want to be grounded in reality. Or, most of my family's rooted here in Canada or have roots here in Canada. In both cases, we're talking about having foundations or being planted in an enduring way. There's a real sense of solidity or continuity that emanates from these words. And I'm sure you've noticed a buzz these days about the practice of grounding, earthing, or rooting that I'd like to explore in today's discussion. As always, I plan on looking at the practice from a variety of perspectives and delving into the root of the matter, if you will, by examining the physical act of grounding with the earth and the more mental or spiritual act of grounding in the present moment. But before we really get going, what the heck is grounding or earthing? While there are several ways in which to practice the art of grounding, at least a couple of which we'll explore today, in a nutshell, grounding or earthing is the practice of connecting one's bare skin to the earth. Now, why on earth would we want to do that, you might be asking? Well, to begin with, your body holds an electrical charge. But because most people don't know or take the time to appreciate that, let's begin with a parallel by looking at the way electricity flows through an electrical appliance. When an electrical appliance is electrically powered, a flow of electrons is moving through the metal circuit wires. Whether you know it or not, these electrons are seeking the fastest way back to the ground, and that's because there's often an excess of electricity running through the circuit. That excess electricity is attracted to the earth because the earth is a natural conductor. This process of facilitating the flow of excess electricity to the ground is accomplished by grounding the circuits, which often entails the installation of wires that literally go right into the ground. In other words, the earth. When you do this, ground the electricity that is, it provides a safe way to discharge it, thereby preventing potentially dangerous electrical surges which could possibly result in fire or even electrocution. Now I want you to remember that because something similar can happen in the human body. So getting back to our bodies, what a lot of people don't realize is that our bodies are being inundated with electrical charges all day long. In fact, electrical signals are powering our hearts, our immune systems, our muscles, 
and even the nervous system. Let's examine how. Our body's electrical systems are largely fueled by chemical reactions that are occurring within our bodies as we inhale oxygen or ingest things like potassium, sodium, and countless other elements, elements that are found in all of the foods that we eat. All of these things that we bring into our bodies are composed of atoms that generally have a balanced ratio of electrons to protons. An electron, of course, being negatively charged and a proton being positively charged. What's interesting about electrons is that they don't reside in the nucleus of the atom like protons do, meaning that they orbit the nucleus sometimes quite tightly and sometimes quite far away from the nucleus. The further the electron is from the nucleus, the easier it is to knock it free. And just to give you a little perspective, if you were to enlarge the nucleus of, say, a hydrogen atom to the size of a basketball, the potential distance away from the nucleus that the electron would be orbiting could be up to two miles away. Now, that's pretty wild, isn't it? So now you can better appreciate why electrons can get knocked off course rather easily. As the electron is knocked free, another electron from an adjacent atom will take its place, and this will cause a chain reaction which accounts for the flowing of electrons, or in other words, electricity. Now, as technical as that was, it was a really important concept to grasp so that we can better understand how earthing or grounding really works. Remember those appliances and the danger of short-circuiting fires or electrocution that we were just talking about? Through the process we were just discussing, when oxygen molecules that we inhale, for example, split into single atoms that have an unequal number of electrons to protons, they seek other atoms or molecules with which to bond. These unstable atoms are called free radicals, and I want you to remember those words, free radicals. If this cascading effect continues to happen, then it begins a process called oxidative stress. It's precisely this oxidative stress that many researchers maintain is the reason the body's cells are damaged, which leads to disease and even aging. So what if there was a proven scientific way to discharge these excess free radicals that appear to be so damaging to the human body? Well, it turns out that there is a way, and it's called grounding or earthing. And here's how we do it. In order to neutralize these free radicals, all they need are additional negatively charged electrons. And where do you think we might find an endless supply of those? Hmm, you got it. From the Earth. Oh, and I have one more question for you. How might we absorb them? Ha! You're right again. They're naturally absorbed through our skin when we touch the earth. This means that when the human skin is earthed, meaning it's in direct contact with the earth, we're discharging those pesky free radicals in an exchange between the body and the earth. Even medical studies, one that I'll reference right now that's documented in the National Library of Medicine, demonstrate that a mere two hours of earthing reduces red blood cell aggregation, which essentially means that the practice of earthing, and I quote, increases the surface charge on red blood cells and thereby reduces blood viscosity and clumping. 
Grounding appears to be one of the simplest and yet most profound interventions for helping reduce cardiovascular risk and cardiovascular events. End of quote. Ha! You don't say. Now that's some pretty convincing stuff, isn't it? If only it were that simple. The reality is that most of you listening to this podcast episode right now live in an industrialized city. Hey, maybe you're sitting on a chair. Maybe you're listening while you're driving or you're lying down in bed. Maybe you're on your couch or you're standing in the kitchen or even perhaps walking or running. The problem is that you're probably not in direct connection with the earth. Even if you're running across the lush grass, the rubber soles of your shoes aren't conductive, which means that you're not really in contact with the earth. So, are you on the second floor of your home right now? Are you several floors up in the air in a high-rise? Is there a barrier of carpet or hardwood between you and the concrete or the earth? Because if so, you're not earthing. Where I live in Canada, the winter months are downright freezing. It wouldn't be inconceivable for me to not physically touch the earth in a meaningful way for several months. And wow, what a shame. Because there are many other benefits to grounding. For instance, other medical studies have evidenced reduced inflammation when grounding for as little as an hour. And you can find that study in Volume 7, Edition Number 8 of Health Magazine, or at www.m.scirp.org, front slash journal, front slash health. And it's fascinating to note that recent research links Alzheimer's, cancer, and diabetes to inflammation. So do you want to do the math together? I ask you that because the math doesn't lie. Now, I could provide other fascinating scientific research articles I discovered while preparing for this episode, but I think we've built enough trust together for you to believe that the benefits of earthing are numerous. Before we venture into the more mental and spiritual aspects of grounding, I don't want to forget to mention that, in my opinion, the chief reason we aren't taught about the benefits of earthing, and I've mentioned this before, is because we have incorrectly adopted a reductionist or mechanistic view of the world. Largely speaking, science has taken us down a path in which understanding and knowledge is generally acquired by isolating matters and systems without taking into context the broader workings of a much, much larger system at play. A system that includes our Earth, ourselves, and even the forces beyond this planet and into our solar system and the galaxy. I want to explain that. In order to truly understand what's happening here on Earth, we must first look to the skies and realize that the Earth and the air dance together to create a global electrical circuit, largely powered by the difference in potential energy between the Earth itself and the ionosphere. According to a beautiful article that I found in EOS, the science news magazine published by AGU, lightning bolts, galactic cosmic rays, electrified clouds, and I'll quote now, dust, pollutants, and other particles in the lower troposphere also play a role in the global electrical circuit, as does the changing of the seasons, end quote. And that is super cool, isn't it? Some people refer to these workings as the electrical heartbeat of the planet. And I was planning on going in depth on this part because it's so unbelievably fascinating. 
But as I prepared the material, I kind of knew that I'd be going way off track, as interesting as the material is. So I won't elaborate in great detail. Suffice to say that whether you look inward or outward, you're going to find that all movement of electricity runs infinitely outward and infinitely inward. In other words, everything's connected as a well-constructed electrical circuit should be. And that last statement is definitely worth reflecting upon. So just as the Earth, its inhabitants, its man-made appliances, its atmosphere, its surrounding planets, and its star are connected as part of a gigantic system, so too are our physical bodies and our spiritual or mental ones. Eastern philosophy has recognized this for a very long time, as have the first peoples of the Americas. In fact, ancient yogic texts reference the chakras, which are energetic focal points where psychic forces and bodily functions harmonize. One of those chakras is called the root or base chakra. In Sanskrit, a language that just keeps on resurfacing incidentally in these almost enlightened podcasts, the root chakra is called the muladhara. That word is composed of two words, the first being mula, which means root, and the second being adara, which means support or base. Thus, when acknowledging or working on the root chakra, we are focusing on the root support, kind of like what we've been discussing when it comes to grounding. In fact, the root chakra is most often associated with survival, stability, feeling safe, and being grounded. And if you want to know where the root chakra is located, it's said to inhabit the region at the bottom of the spine, between the anal orifice and the genitals, known as the perineum. While it's not a physical entity, the yogic tradition considers it part of the subtle body, or what I would call the energetic body. And the energetic body is said to be connected through a series of seven chakras and various other metaphysical networks called nadis, through which our life force, or prana, flows. Here's where it gets really interesting. The root chakra is most often associated with a red four-petal lotus flower with a yellow center. The four petals are said to correspond to different energy channels, while the yellow center is often described as a square where we find the sound, or bija mantra, lam. The yellow square is associated with the earth, and now you can begin to appreciate why the root chakra has to do with grounding or earthing. In Ayurvedic medicine, which is one of the world's most ancient holistic medical systems that focuses on preserving health and wellness by keeping mind, body, and spirit in balance by preventing disease, the root chakra is associated with the downward movement of vital air. And I find that fascinating based on the few comments I just made concerning the relationship between the earth, the air, and its electrical connection by virtue of weather systems. When focusing on the root chakra during a meditation or mindful thinking, belly breathing is a wonderful way to relieve anxiety by channeling energy to our root center. The best way to do that is to close your eyes, release the tension in all muscles, and begin to inhale deeply and deliberately into the belly. Then, exhale slowly, bringing the belly back towards the spine. You can hold the breath for a moment at the top of the inhale and at the bottom of the exhale, or whatever feels the most natural and comfortable to you. 
Using this technique, you will be balancing the root chakra and grounding in a more energetic fashion. An energetic and balanced root chakra will help you feel grounded, firmly rooted, and often enhances feelings of family strength, connection, and support. And now it's certainly not lost on me that the corresponding physical location of the root chakra at the bottom of the spine would be connected to the earth if we were sitting down in nature. Could there be a connection to the scientifically established benefits of earthing and the energetic flow of one's life force through the root chakra and throughout our bodies? I think it's an extremely valid question. As we connect the dots between the physical and the energetic realms, one thing remains constant. Whether grounding physically or energetically, we must be rooted in the present moment. The very acts of conscious and deliberate breathing, meditation, or even connecting skin to earth are all very present moment activities. Thus, when we're in the present moment, instead of being trapped in the past or obsessed about the future, it seems to me as though the electrical circuit that allows the free flow of energy and the neutralization of free radicals works infinitely better. It's almost as though fixating on anything other than the moment acts as a resistor or as a transformer might in the world of electricity. Adding to that last theory, I sense that the connectivity enhanced by being present allows for a much more holistic connection between all parts of the body. That is to say that when we're completing the circuit by physically grounding or doing it in spirit, we are connecting all facets of our body. And that appears to be supported by research conducted at the Developmental and Cell Biology Department at the University of California at Irvine, California, wherein, and I quote, thermal imaging showed clearly improved circulation of fluids, including blood throughout the torso, which in turn translates into enhanced delivery of blood to the head and improved blood circulation in the face as well. The results of this innovative study demonstrate that even one hour of contact with the earth appears to promote significantly autonomic nervous system control of body fluids and peripheral blood flow that may improve blood circulation in the torso and face, facial tissue repair, skin health, and vitality and optimize facial appearance, end quote. And wow, that is astonishing. However, we shouldn't find those results to be too astonishing in the least, given what we've been studying and learning in this episode. So let's take a moment and make a parallel between what we're seeing in humans while grounding and what happens naturally in the plant kingdom with trees. For this example, let's consider a tree and its roots. In previous episodes, we examined the relationship between a tree's roots and the mycorrhizal network, which is the fungal network under the ground. This network not only feeds the tree, but feeds other trees around it. We begin to get a sense of the family and support that I was just talking about when we see the connection in that way. Moreover, as the roots draw essential nutrients and water from the water table up into the tree itself, it's necessary in the development of branches, of leaves, and even fruits. We see the same results on the skin of our bodies when we practice earthing or grounding as evidenced in that last study. 
So you really see the roots are a vital part of the whole. Without them, there is no life. But not to be hypocritical in simply isolating a forest system, it's important to note that the circuit from roots to leaves and even fruits extends well beyond the relationships we see with our eyes. My guess is that it extends further than we imagine. So just as we appreciate the enduring dance between the earth and the sky as a vital partnership that brings electrical current to our lives, I think it's an interesting prospect to begin to consider that we are part of a greater system that may never end, one that is truly connected. And it's in pondering that connection that we may gain perspective on the nature of just how connected we are as a human race and perhaps beyond. And in doing so, some of that divisiveness that prevents us from utilizing our circuitry to its fullest potential may begin to dissolve so that the energy that naturally wants to move through us and explore and create may finally be used in its brightest and most beautiful ways. Hey, thanks for taking the time to engage with today's episode. And if you ever want to join us in one of our intimate cacao ceremonies, send me an email. I'm at alex at almostenlightened.life, and I'll be sure to provide you details on upcoming ceremonies. Thanks so much for listening, and always know that I appreciate you.